Welcome to the Heart Shaped Ministries podcast, where we discuss the big areas of life that God wants to transform in each one of us. Welcome to this episode on the fear of failure. Today I'm going to be looking at patterns and the fear of failure. So before lockdown happened, Megan and I uh, we're talking about our next move. And if you haven't heard yet, our family is returning back to the United States in December, uh, permanently moving back after being gone for 23 years. Um, it's a big move for us. And a couple of weeks before lockdown, we were talking about this move. We were talking about how worried we were. I could see lots of people there saying, hi, thanks for doing that. Glinda, Jean, thanks. Wesley, thanks for being here. Great to see you. Oh, Cindy. Great. From Port Shepson. Thanks, Trevor and Cindy. So glad you could join us. And Megan, Valerio, thank you guys for being a part of this tonight. So a couple of weeks before lockdown, we were talking about this big move. And it's a big move for us. We were, we were uh, discussing how are we going to get back into the United States. 23 years, a lot has changed in the States. I also started worrying about how we're going to make it. What are we going to do when we get there? Am I going to make it? Am I going to fail? Am I going to take my kids back there and it's going to just all go wrong? And there were all, there were so many things to fear. And I realized that patterns from the fear of failure started coming up. Old patterns. And I'm going to look at those. I'm going to discuss what those patterns were because there, there were three particular ones. And I think they're really the top three that so many of us deal with. Uh, so I'm going to break that down for us in just a moment. And then lockdown hit. And what I realized is that every person on this planet is going through what I had already started going through with the uncertainty, with the future, with the, are, are we going to make it? Are we going to hit a rock in a hard place and not be able to get out? So I felt God prompt me to do this particular series because I believe it's something that every single person is going through. Say hi to Fred. Fred, thanks for being here. And I can see my mom is online. Thanks, mom. Always great to have your parents watching you. And Karen, thanks for being a part of this too. So lockdown hit, fear failure rises to the surface in so many of our lives. And in this episode, I'm going to help you identify what the patterns of those fear failures are, what it looks like whenever the fear of failure grabs a hold of your heart, when it grips your heart, what manifests, what comes out. Now, for every single person, the, the fear of failure doesn't just play on, this, on the idea that we can fail or have failed. It actually starts to, to, to um, almost haunt us with the idea that we are failures. So it starts to become an identity issue in our lives. And the fear of failure tells us we are failures, not simply that we failed. Next week, I want to show you how that creeps in, where it comes from, the environment in which that lie starts to take root. So that's the lie that you are a failure. And I just want to mention next week real quick because I feel like it's absolutely critical. This is the topic we're doing next week. It's shame and the fear of failure. So I'd love for you to make sure and tune in for that one because we're going to look at such, this is such a critical thing. Shame is huge in this area of the fear of failure. And I want to show you how that creates the lie that you are a failure. So here's how it works. 
a lie comes in that you are a failure that then generates a fear. Now we have two options at that moment. What are we going to do with the fear of failure when it comes in? We either take it to God or we take it someplace else. It has to go somewhere because everything inside of us wants to remove that fear and rightly so. So if we don't take it to God, we take it to something else. We know that anything other than God that we take, that we put our trust in to remove any negative thought or anything that we have like the fear of failure, that thing is what we call an idol. So an idol is simply a God substitute. So an idol comes in place of God for us to remove the fear of failure. And we can turn to that very, very quickly. Now, an idol is not just a carved image. You know, we think of a carved image like the Old Testament idol, idolatry. That's not what an idol is in our day and age. Um, we don't go to those things, but we still have God substitutes. And more often than not, what I'm discovering is an idol is almost like a concept. It's an idea. It's something that we start living for that replaces the kingdom of God, replaces God and his ways. So they're not just physical objects, but ways of thinking. There are three primary idols that come out of the fear of failure, and all of them can be under a particular heading. And I'm just going to break it down for you. Great to see you. Hi, Cyril. Thanks for being here, Linda. Thank you for joining us. Let me show you. I'm going to take you through a little PowerPoint here so you can see how it works. So control is the commonality between all of these, the three failures, sorry, the three idols or patterns that I want to discuss. It's all around control. Now, what are we trying to control? We're basically trying to self-protect. So we want to self-protect. We want to uh, make sure that we feel that we know and that everybody knows that we are not failures. We are protecting ourselves and we try to control. We try to do that in three ways. First of all, we control others to self-protect. Secondly, we would control ourselves to self-protect. And then thirdly, we want to control our circumstances to self-protect. We can actually give a name to all three of these behaviors. The first one, when we control others to self-protect, we can call that power. So a power idol starts to grip our hearts when we try and manipulate and change people and try and control them in order to feel like we are not failures. Or we control ourselves to self-protect and we can call that perfectionism. We know perfectionism, don't we? I, I, I'm. This is one of my main ones, perfectionism. Or we can try to control our circumstances, and that's called certainty. We hang on to the idol of certainty. All three of these. Now let's look at each one in its in turn here. So let's just discuss power for a moment when we control others to self-protect. Two ways we do this. Whenever a power idol, when we turn to a power idol instead of God, we either it either manifests in Violence or silence? Violence or silence? So we, for example, we might not actually use violence, physical violence. I mean, most people don't, although some do. Um, we, you've seen violence on the increase in the midst of the coronavirus all around the world. Violence is on, on the increase because people are trying to go for power idol because of this fear of failure. And so what happens in violence now, we might not use our physical violent, but we might use our words 
to tear people down. So we're very good at that. Or we go silent. Now, silence can also be a manipulating tactic. It's also a power grab. So don't uh, get too um, pleased with yourself if you're not the violent kind of go for the advance, if you're the retreat person. You need to ask yourself why you're retreating. What are you trying to accomplish in that retreat? Former French president, national hero, Charles de Gaulle, he said this, silence is the ultimate weapon of power. So violence and silence can both be weapons of power. When I'm in conflict, I tend to go towards the violent side. I get aggressive, obviously not physically violent, but I get aggressive with my words to Megan. I want to advance. When Megan gets tries to grab her power or starts feeling under threat and wants to self-protect, she will withdraw. She will retreat. She'll use the silent treatment. Usually we tend towards one or the other. So maybe there's a great moment to just stop and ask for some vulnerability from each of you out there. So here's the question. Love for you to answer just in the comments below. Which do you lean toward? Do you advance or do you retreat? So who's willing to be vulnerable with us and just stick it right there in the comment section. Let everybody know what it is. But it's great for you to start right now identifying some of the patterns. Um, So whenever you start feeling out of control and you want to start controlling others, do you use violence or do you use silence? Do you use, let me put it in a more friendly or, or less aggressive way. Do you advance or do you retreat? All right. Wesley's up first one. Thanks for some vulnerability there. Okay, here we go. Wesley, you advance. So Wesley Pulvinas, he's in the advanced category. This is totally me. Um, I love Cindy. I love your vulnerability there and uh, admission. I do both. I tell you, that that's actually takes a lot of self-awareness, though, to recognize that we can't actually use both because we become very clever. Knox, what do you do here? Knox, you retreat. You think and then you advance. Wow, some of you guys are really good at this uh, power idol. <laughs> Valerio, you advance depending on the actual situation. Okay. So again, Jean says both. So we're great, having some great uh, feedback here. Both. Um, so many of you do both. Now, it's important that you're starting to recognize this because these uh, just recognizing it is half the battle. We're going to look in the subsequent weeks of how we can stop that and, and what God, how God wants us to respond and how we actually get to the root of the fear of failure to deal with it. So co- coercion is an obvious sign, but we've seen as well that silence can be one a sign as well. So let me show you some of the thoughts. Once a power idol kind of grabs your heart and you start operating out of it because of the fear of failure, these are the kind of thoughts that come along with it. If I lose control, I'm vulnerable to being hurt. So if you've had that kind of thought, I'm going to lose control. If I do that, I'm going to be vulnerable to being hurt. That means that you're feeding a power idol. I don't just need to be capable. I need others to think I'm capable. So this is where we often get into this situation where we we feel like somebody is telling us that we're not good enough or disrespecting us. We, it, we, we just shut down. We get offended because it, we want them to think we're capable. It's not enough just for us to know, okay, actually, 
I'm, I can do this. We actually need other people as well. Once that starts happening, you can identify a power idol. I can't depend on others. I need to keep control to make sure they don't fail me. So whenever we start to micromanage, we start to, we, we start to monitor everybody's actions from our family members to our work colleagues or those underneath us at work. Um, th- these are signs that power might be an issue. And at the root of it is most likely a fear of failure. Let's look at the next one. Perfectionism. We control ourselves to self-protect. In perfectionism, I know this one very well. I'm using a definition um, here from a a very popular um, psychiatrist, American psychiatrist named Mark Hale Hollanders. And he says this, perfectionism is demanding of oneself or others a higher quality of performance than is required by the situation. Now, I, I know this really well. I was, I mean, I came into our marriage a perfectionist and, uh, and Megan got the brunt of it. You know, I remember coming home when we had just gotten married and she was hanging up pictures in our house. And, uh, and one of the pictures that she was framing was crooked. So it wasn't straight and like I thought it should be. And I looked at that and I, I was grumpy. And I said, so are, are all our pictures going to be crooked like that? Are you going to try even to straighten them? And I just came out with that. And Megan like looked at me. She was like, wait a minute. I'm, I'm working really hard here. What's wrong with you? You know? Um, and I realized I was being ungracious with her. And I started trying to uh, bring my sense of perfectionism, perfectionism in there um, when, when it wasn't necessary. And what I realized is, is later on I was working with somebody and uh she was doing, she was actually setting this table. We were doing this banquet and she was a colleague of mine and she was setting the table. And, um, and I said, aren't you going to do, uh, do these, uh, this, the cutlery, the, the silverware here. And she says, well, if I do it, you're just going to redo it. So you might as well do it first. And it really struck me. And I realized I've got an issue here with perfectionism and I've been trying to work this out and figure out where is it coming from? And it comes from the fear of failure. Here are the thoughts that come from perfectionism. If I don't set high standards for myself, I'm likely to end up a second-rate person. If you've had that kind of thought, I got to have high standards or I become a second-rate person. Or if you've had the thought, if I don't do well all the time, people won't respect me. And now I, I found that men often think this way and struggle with it. I won't get the respect I need. Um, women, I often find struggle with this. The fewer mistakes I make, the more people will accept me. This desire for relationships to be intact. And so I don't want to mess up. I need this relationship to stay uh, safe. Now, here's the thing with perfectionism is we start to ask ourselves, why can't I be perfect? I need to do better. These are the feelings that we have. I got to do better. I, should, I shouldn't make the same mistake twice. We become hard on ourselves. If I, if I don't keep working on my goals, something's going to mess up. So I don't know if you've noticed that in lockdown, how many of us are just feeling like we need to cling to goals, make this goal and achieve that goal and achieve that goal. Those are signs that perfectionism is starting to rear its head. And uh, if we don't have that, we're not going to achieve and we're going to fail. Um, also, you see that so many people wanting to do more. There's just this desire to do more. That's a perfectionist idol. Thank you so much to those of you that are coming back on. I am sorry about the interruption. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was the internet. 
um, or if the software I'm using just crashed. Uh, but we're back on. So does any of that sound familiar? The perfectionist. Does any of that sound familiar? When we are afraid to fail, I think this is the crucial question that we have to ask ourselves. Who are we afraid to fail? That's the, the self kind of reflection that needs to happen when we're starting this perfectionism starts to come. Who are you afraid to fail? Now, personally, I've thought long and hard about that answer because this is something I deal with. And I don't think it's as easy as it sounds. I think it's hard to, to t- kind of narrow down. I mean, maybe a name came to your mind who you're afraid to fail. Maybe somebody came to you. You know, most people think of their fathers. Um, I find it interesting that most people don't actually, they're not afraid to fail their moms. It's like they they don't question their mom's love and approval. But for some reason, we question our fathers often more than our mothers. And it might be because dads can leave much more easily, uh, readily than, than, than moms can. So perhaps that's part of it. But the more I've understood and more that we can understand, the more we discover kind of the layers of people that we're afraid to fail, um, the more we can actually uh, get some freedom in this area. So is it ourselves? Is it our peers? Is it our siblings? Is it our, our family, our parents? Um, is it authority figures? And I, I feel it's probably layers of people and ultimately maybe even God. So the the... the key point in this is that whoever you give the authority to determine whether you are a failure or not is most likely the person that you are afraid to fail. So it could be your boss. So who is it that has the authority and you know that when you're in their presence, you feel like you've got to perform, you feel like you've got to be perfect because you've given them authority to say something about your identity. Um, And that's who you're afraid to fail. Now, if it's ultimately God, we're going to get to discuss that in a few weeks' time. All right, I want to move on to the third and final kind of pattern and really idol that's in our lives, and that's the idol of certainty. But I want to do something fun with you real quick. I'm going to play a tune, and I want you to tell me, I want you to identify what this tune is. Okay, are you ready? Here is the tune. Listen for it. All right. What was that music? Where is it from? Can you identify the source? Put it in the comments. Where does that song come from? What is that song? What is that noise? So write it there. And uh, I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. We're going to look at certainty. So let's look at that next pattern. That lie. Okay. So in certainty, we control circumstances to self-protect. Okay, somebody's already saying it's pipes. We know it's pipes, but but what what is that? Do I need to play it again? I think you'll get it. We'll come to it. Let's see. Let's just leave it out there. Okay, so with the idol of certainty, we want to control. So now here, here's a few things around certainty, okay? Neuroscientists have demonstrated how uncertainty of the future actually generates a strong threat response in our limb is called the limbic system it's the area of the brain that controls 
our basic emotions like fear, pleasure, or anger. So when our brain thinks that something is wrong, what it does is we, we, it shuts us down and we actually stop thinking straight. It's hard for us to think straight. We lose focus subconsciously. So that's why we, we often work hard to avoid uncertainty because it starts to create panic. Um, so can you tie them in a knot? Can you tie them in? Hey, you've got the actual melody. Let me play it again and you guys just tell me real quick if you can figure it out. Here it goes. One more, one more time. Oops. I'm actually giving it all the way right here. I'm showing you the video. Do you know what it is now? So when you hear that music, yeah, do your ears hang low? You got the right song. When you hear that tune from your bedroom window, your brain is telling you what's going to happen next. The ice cream truck's coming down the way. So your brain doesn't just listen. It actually predicts. It predicts what's going to happen next. So, for example, if your wife gives you that glare at dinner time, your brain predicts that you're actually going to have a lonely night. You're probably going to spend the rest of your evening by yourself. You're not just listening. You're not just watching. You're predicting. Your brain does that. Your brain is like this predictive machine. And you're predicting what's happening all the time. That's, that's what our brains do. That's why we like things like puzzles, you know, like crossword puzzles. They're so satisfying because there's something predictive about it. Or songs that have a repetitive chorus, repetitive line in it. There's something soothing about it. Because we treat uncertainty like a pain that needs to be avoided. So if there's uncertainty in our lives, we want to avoid it. Because it's a pain. Why? Because it's reflecting something of the fear of failure in our lives. If we engage with that uncertainty, it takes us into that space. It's something to be avoided. Now, obviously, there's lots of things that are great about certainty. I mean, we want Monday to follow Sunday. We want, you know, we want winter to follow on the heels of, of autumn. Um, there's something in nature about certainty that's that's really good. And that's often the case with lots of things that can become idols in our lives. You know, idols are not bad things. They're often good things. That's why we use them because they help and in many we go for them is because they, they can feel helpful at the time. But when they become an ultimate thing and they become the answer for the fear of failure, they then become an idol. So that's what happens. Routines are not bad. But certainty Living for certainty in order for us to feel in control and about ourselves actually often removes us from the very things that God wants to do in our lives. We stop becoming risk takers. We stop becoming those that can hear and follow God. I love it. Megan says that Olivia said it was an ice cream truck. So her daughter got it. And uh, I thank you. So I think you probably do need to be a kid to really get that melody. And some of us have forgotten what it means to be a kid. Thank you, Olivia, for guessing that. Um, that is absolutely right. Let's look at the thoughts behind uncertainty. Those, uh, that idol of feeling like we have to be certain all the time and have our circumstances. What I've built with my own hands is what I can have faith in. When you start thinking along those lines, probably a certainty idol has a grip on your heart. 
It's the stuff that we can depend on, what I built with my own hands. That's why um, whenever we have a difficulty in our life, whenever we start going to try and do more, to try and fix stuff, to try and go more, and we don't pray first, it's usually an indication that I'm going to rely more on what I can achieve than on God. Or the thought that if I don't create a predictable environment, I open myself up to failure. That thought, or better systems, careful planning, calculated risks can keep me from failing. When you've had that kind of thought, then it's the idol of uncertainty, perhaps, is coming to your heart, into your mind. So, of those three, power, perfectionism, certainty, are any of those things contending for a place in your heart? Any of those patterns coming through, it might be that you're struggling with the fear of failure. And we're going to wrap up here. And um, I don't know if anybody has a question, you're, you're welcome to, to put it down. I, I don't, you know, I've said it was going to be 30 minutes, so I do want to try and stick to 30 minute schedule. But if you do have a question and you want to put something up um, now, if I don't, if I'm unable to get to it right now, then we can answer it in the next session, which is going to be next Wednesday, whenever we look at shame and the fear of failure. Please do join us for that. It's going to be the same time. We're going to be unpacking this a little bit at a time. If you want to go back and play this or want to share it with somebody and you don't want to do it through a video means, we do have a podcast that this will be on. So you can find the podcast, iTunes podcast. Go to Heart Shaped Ministries. That's what you're listening to right now if you don't know. Um, you can get on that podcast and you can share it as we unpack. But I want you to start thinking this through between now and next week and start recognizing, are there is it power, is there perfectionism, or is there certainty that you're trying to substitute for God because of the fear of failure? Start recognizing it now. Once you start recognizing it, the next things that we speak into will start to make sense. Because what, as I bring you the solutions from the scriptures, what I want to, you to be able to do is to apply the solution to the root But for you to be able to see that root, you need to see how it's manifesting. For you to really understand what the solution is, you need to know what problem you're actually dealing with, how it's manifesting. But as we kind of close here, um, let me just see one question here from Knox. Thanks for bringing this up. How does certainty differ from comfort? I think that's a brilliant kind of question. I think comfort obviously is another thing that we can go to, particularly in terms of pleasure um, there, there, I find that often comfort relates to the feeling of us uh, not feeling enough in God. Um, that's another topic that I'd love to discuss at some point. Um, but certainty is really a control issue. So comfort is trying to, to, to kind of almost kind of drown out, if you will, or, uh, you know, kind of cushion ourselves from the, the real world out there. Certainty is actually trying to control. And once control becomes the actual characteristic of the behavior, then you know that something of the fear of failure has gripped your heart. Whereas when you're trying to comfort and trying to remove all kind of pain and stuff, often it's another root issue. I believe it's the root lie that I'm incomplete and I don't want to face the facts that I don't have all that I need Um, And that's another topic. Um, But the lie that's at the root 
of a control issue, which is certainty, um, is the fear of failure.